Welcome to the Power You Podcast. As always, this is Ken. Dave is right here to my right. And today, fortunate to be joined by Billy Emerson, who is, as most of you know, the head baseball coach at PVI, Fairfax, and also the athletic director. And I believe the Billy, the front man for NRJ, which will be coming to Jim and Java for the December venue, if some, I got that right. Yeah, some, someday, sometime near you. Yeah. So, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Thanks. Let's let's chat. There you go. So, Billy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, then we'll get into youth sports. Uh, well, where do I begin? Where you know? Well, you're a long time you know, like guy. Tell you about like yeah. what I've done just this so, week. So, yeah, or... so, so, so. You're a Vienna guy, right? I am. I grew up in Vienna. All right. Played uh, VLL. Played, played in Vienna Little League. Um, All right. Seven days back, a week. Back in the uh, well, no, not not that many <laughs> days back then. But that was back in the late '70s and early '80s. Um, Went to Madison High School in Vienna, played Vienna Babe Ruth after that. You know, things were a little different back then. You played, uh, you know, you played Little League. Uh, that's what everybody played. There was, there was nothing else to play. Um, you played, uh, after Little League, you played Babe Ruth. And then as you got into high school, you know, if you made, you made your high school team, uh, the best 18 guys in your town or your area or whatever would, would play American Legion also. You know, mm-hmm. some of the Legion teams wanted you to play for them exclusively. Some of the Legion teams uh, would allow you to play both Babe Ruth and um, and American Legion. You know, and back then the Babe Ruth League was so strong. I mean, there were <laughs> there were teams in the senior Babe Ruth League you know, composed of sixteen to eighteen year old kids that would blow away a lot of these travel and showcase high school age teams today. Just in, you know, Vienna Bay Ruth. I mean, you know, I can remember playing on a on a on a Bay Ruth team that had a regular season team, not the all star team, that had like four or five D one guys and, you know, and a future pro <laughs> on a Babe Ruth team. You know? So uh, so anyway, you know, I went to Madison High School, um, went to uh, Montgomery College Rockville. Uh, out of high school. Didn't have any idea what I was going to do. Got a call from uh, my high school coach, said, hey, this guy's you know, interested in you coming to play up there. Went up and met the guy, a guy named George Schaffner, a uh, longtime coach up there. It was a really good program at the time. It was a Division One JUCO. Uh, we had guys, we had a first-rounder come out of there. Uh, a lot of guys then would go on from there to four-year school. So I went on to play at George Mason for Billy Brown, who's still there. Uh, great experience there. Dayton Moore recruited me. Dayton is now the uh, vice president and general manager of the Kansas City Royals. Led them to the World Series. Uh, also fortunate to pitch under Mike Wallace, who you may see on Nats Talk on Saturday mornings on Masson. Uh, the, the old bald guy who pitched in the big leagues and was my pitching coach at Mason. He's also a Madison High School alum. I don't know if you knew that. Nope. Uh, so played there, and then um, Dayton helped me. Um, I got invited because of Dayton to a tryout for the Frontier League, uh, which is an independent single A level, low low A ball level league uh, in the Midwest. And went to uh, one of my teammates and I went out tried out. Uh, went to their big tryout camp, an invite only thing. We got the invite because of Dayton. Uh, would be my guess. And probably had about 250 guys there from all over the country trying out. And at the end of the thing, they did a 
they did a draft, like in a hotel, you know, set up in a ho- little hotel ballroom, and uh, we both got picked. Played a year in the Frontier League. Tried to become a <laughs> replacement player during the strike in 94 into 95. Played, played in 94. Um, got offered a contract to go out to a league called the Western League, which is a little bit higher level uh, independent league. And then ultimately um, decided that baseball, you know, I was a 23, 24-year-old guy, uh, right-handed pitcher, you know, throwing mid to upper 80s. So I was a dime a dozen at that age, and there were plenty of uh, probably 17 and 18-year-olds that could do what I did. Mm-hmm. So hung it up. Uh, finished my degree and married my wife who has been now creeping up on 25 years of marriage. Um, we, we live in Vienna, started coaching, started scouting, uh, scouted with the Astros, scouted with the Tigers, and then uh, uh, started working in education, uh, bounced around a few different places, worked at uh, T.C. Williams in Alexandria, worked at Annandale High School. Madison, my alma mater, uh, and then 16 years now at Paul VI in Fairfax. Started out there in a, in a position in the advancement office, went there to coach baseball. Of course, that was the big, the big thing. And then uh, taught a little bit, did a few other things, and then ultimately became the athletic director. I've uh, been doing that now. This is finishing up on my eighth year as the AD, and uh, took four years off as a varsity baseball coach, um, ended up, uh, coming back, uh, to take that job over after my, my long time assistant took it for about four years, but, uh, decided to cut his tenure short. So I wasn't, wasn't ready as you know, Ken, yeah, sure. wasn't quite ready to give that thing up, uh, to anybody else besides the two, but besides Jeff Nolan and myself. So, uh, uh, came back and started coaching baseball again. So doing that, and I've been fortunate. My my daughters have gone to Paul the Sixth. Uh, one is out now in in college at JMU. The other one's getting ready for her senior year at PDI. And uh, you know, wife and I we live in Vienna, and uh, we also have a boy in sixth grade who who knows may end up being a power U guy. There you go. Before it's all said and done, he'll be. He'll be ruling the once school we, next year. Once Cunningham. we get him through fall ball with our, uh, That's with right. our fall ball team. That's right. Which is... Uh, ready to go for that. Uh, ready to go for that, too. David's in on that as well. He right? wants to be... I asked him what team he wants to be. He wants to be the Marlins. So, I don't know. That's fine with me. As long as the team has black colors, you know, because I have all my PBI stuff right. black, it's it's easy transition. And so, before you were the AD at, uh, at PBI, you were the head baseball coach, right? Correct. And uh, built quite a program there. We yeah we've we've been pretty fortunate. So a lot of lot of good kids, a lot of good families come through, and and, uh, and I've been pretty fortunate to have great staff over the years. Pretty consistent too. Um, when you look at the big picture, a lot of the same guys. So when you came into that job, I presume you had to make a lot of changes. Um, get things set yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Took over. You know, we took over uh, a situation where I was the. Th- third head coach there in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some had a little bit of trouble there before I got there and, and they weren't winning. Um, and the mentality was uh, I would say a little bit more recreational than what you would expect from a, from a competitive high school baseball right. program. 
you know, which just doesn't translate to all the things that you're trying to teach. I mean, winning baseball games is great. Trust me. And, you know, all the, you know, you, you see your teams in the newspaper or on the internet and, you know, you got pictures of, of championship celebrations and rings and all that stuff. That's awesome. But ultimately, I mean, what we're trying to do here is, is, is build boys into men by the time they, they get out of high school, um, you know, or, or at least get them on that path by the time they get out of high school. So that when they attack other things in their lives, because baseball is going to come to an end at some point uh, for everybody. You know, even if you make it to the big leagues, you're going to be lucky to play until you're 35 or 40 years old. And there's a lot of life left after 35 or 40. I guess we should all hope that, right? <laughs> that, there's a lot, that we have a lot of life left. I hope. I hope I'm not on the back nine yet. Oh. Um, so, you know, we want to prepare kids for that stuff. Um, being a college student, being a, a, a young professional, being a member of their community. Being, being a husband, being a father, and all, you know, all those things that um, are outside of the realm of baseball, but actually you can use baseball. And we, use, we try to use all of our sports to do this at Paul Six. This is our philosophy is we're, we're trying to build um, young men and young women. You know, and the foundation is, uh, goes beyond just their sport. You know, there's, there's a faith component, obviously, at our school that's, that's paramount. Um, and the academic part that goes along with that, we're a college prep institution. Um, so we're trying to use all those things to, to get these kids ready. And the, the, one of the beautiful things is when kids come back and tell us about how easy college is. Mm-hmm. You know? sure. And that's not to scare anybody away from Paul the Six. Like, you know, well, hey, what the heck's going on in that place in the classroom? Better. But, yeah, the point is that's exactly it, is that they're prepared, you know. Um, so... Kids come back and, uh, you know, and they, you know, I get to meet one of my former, I get to go to one of my former players' weddings, or I get to meet their, their newborn child, you know, someday. And you, and you look at these kids and you're like, you know, hey, man, they've, they've, they've grown up and they're, they're good people and they get it and they're having a good life. And you, so you'd like to think that uh, you played a part in that, you know, that the plan is, is working. So... You know, that's kind of what we do there. That's kind of a long answer for asking about, you know, <laughs> I guess you had to make some changes. Yeah, well, here we are. And this is what, you know, and, and it doesn't really change. You know, that's the same same thing I've been talking about and preaching and trying to live and, and all of our coaches, that, you know, from for, for all of our sports. That's that's really what we're trying to do. You know, the, the winning and losing part, that kind of comes naturally. We're all, if you're into sports, you're, you're competitive, you want to win, that's the easy part, you know, that, that's going to take care of itself. So if you, you know, back that up and, and, and think in these terms, if, if you take care of all the important things and you, you worry about the right things, the rest of it takes care of itself, you know, so that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that's great. No, it could be the right underlying philosophy. The wins usually follow. You're mm-hmm. focused on the wins. Usually, yeah. it's not, that doesn't happen. Right. Because you're focused. You're looking in the wrong place. Exactly. Exactly. So, that's what we do at PVI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're interested in that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, come on and join us. I mean, I've been blessed. I'll tell you this too. Uh, my kids have gone through there. You know, my my oldest daughter. 
played softball and was on the dance team. Kind of a weird combination. You don't usually see those two together. Um, and, and yeah, and did a lot of other things extracurricularly at school. And then my 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 middle child, uh, my rising senior, she's uh, she's played soccer. She's run track and everything else. And they've both done very well academically. And I've told my boss several times if 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 she were to fire me. I'm such a believer in PBI and what's going on there. You know, I would find a way, knowing what I know now, to to put my kids through there mm-hmm. somehow. Um, you know, and that has a lot to do with the people in the building. Um, you guys know we're moving campuses. Yeah, that place looks sweet. It's going to be great. 2020, right? Yes, we have two more years in Fairfax. Yeah. Um, you know, our athletic facilities are going to be phenomenal. Of course, the, the, the main building as well will be phenomenal and we're not going too far from where we are now we're you know right now we're in the middle of the city of Fairfax um we're going about you know 12 miles west as the crow flies um right now 50 I think yeah right? we're going to be if you go past um Cox's Farms and the Ticonderoga Farm area and all that if you're as you're heading down Braddock Road we're kind of just over the county line in what is actually Chantilly you know, a lot of people say South Riding because that's really nearby too. But our mailing address will be Chantilly, so we're kind of like, you know, right on the line of Fairfax County and Loudoun County. So I think we're still going to draw a tremendous amount of kids from Central Fairfax County over to the West. Um, you know, so from you know from like Vienna, Oakton, on over, um, certainly. Centerville and Chantilly in that area, and then we're gonna we're gonna have a whole new uh, contingency of folks that that are going to be interested in coming from uh, from Loudoun County. So I think our school is going to grow, um, and it's a great place. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. So if it's a kind of you know if you if that's where you want your kids in that sort of an environment, um, I think we have a whole lot to offer. Um, so like I said, I would. Knowing what I know now, and I bounced around for a few, you know, a few different places, as I mentioned before, and you know, I found a home at PBI just because it's, it's just, there's a sense of community there that you don't necessarily feel or see in your everyday private school, mm-hmm. um, and and what's really cool about that is we have kids coming from all over the place, you know, Fairfax County, Arlington County. Prince William and Loudoun and places in Maryland and even D.C. We have kids coming over from there. So they're from all different towns and cities and communities, but it's kind of like PBI is like its own little world, you know, so we have our own sense of community. It's just the same level as, as, as what you would see uh, in a small hometown high school. You know, it's that kind of feel. So that's one of the things I love about it is our you know, our kids are all rooting for each other. You know, you'll see the lacrosse team out in the bleachers at a baseball game, you know, cheering on, and, and vice versa. You know, um, that's a neat thing to have. That's a pretty special thing to have, and I, I just think it comes from the culture that's at our school. So, so that's Paul the Sixth in a nutshell. There you go. Okay. Um, you know what you guys are doing. With Power U, I think is a, is a great idea, and it's, I think it's needed right now. Um, you know, 
just don't, I don't think we, and we talked about this a little bit before we got on the air here. I don't think that kids go out and just play as much as when we were all growing up. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and 47 years old. So, you know, like that, we think we're all kind of right around that same era. And, you know, we used to invent games, you know, we would, we would play wiffle ball, but invent some sort of game from that or play basketball, invent some sort of, you know, modify the rules to fit how many guys we have mm-hmm. or, or the environment. What happens when the ball hits that tree? Yes. That fence is what? Yeah. Yeah. You got to run to here before I throw the ball to there, you know, um, Everything is so overly structured now. And, and you know I have, you know, I, I just can't. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah, I can't get my head around the, 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 the travel. And I'll just talk about, you know, my, my sport in particular. Right. Um, you know, and I'm, listen, I'm an advocate for all, obviously, in the, in the job that I'm in as the athletic director. But just speaking about baseball specifically here for a minute. I mean, it's just what is, what does a seven or eight year old need to be playing on a travel baseball team for? I just, I just don't get it. And what I'm seeing now, just from spreading myself out, you know, from coaching. You know, I used to manage a team in the Clark Griffith League, the summer college league. So I have kids from all over the country. You know, guys from Tulane or Long Beach State or LSU. You know, playing, playing our teams, playing in our league. Um, you know, all the way down to getting into coaching Little League, which I had never really done. That's kind of, I think that's kind of where you and I kind of first met. Um, but I think we did a single A together. Is that what yeah, we did? The single yeah. A. We had a single A team. Yeah. The, the single A team. The Giants. The single A Giants. Again, black, black, black uh, uniforms, you know, so that I don't have to worry about going out and getting new clothes. I can just wear my, all my PVI stuff. So, anyway. Um, you know, it's to me. There's there's too much too soon going on with kids and the overly structured travel stuff. And I think I've shared this sentiment with you before. We got a lot of parents out there that think that they're that making your kid uh, into a varsity starter or a scholarship athlete or a professional athlete that there's an objective process to that. Okay, so I went to this camp and I get lessons from this guy and I play on this travel team, you know, and I'm right now, as you're listening to a podcast, I can't, uh, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm checking boxes, okay? I'm checking boxes. I'm going down the list and I'm checking boxes and they think, okay, I checked all these boxes, but then at the end of the day, they, they hold up the list and they'll say to the high school coach, well, he did all this stuff. How come, how come he's not doing this? And that's not, you know, achieving different levels of success in sports and, and even in life. It's not a completely objective process. That's just not how it works. Um, you know, you got to have some God-given ability to start with. And usually, who, who is going to play in the NFL or Major League Baseball? Um, most of that is decided in the room. 
You know, I mean, <laughs> right. God kind of decides who's going to have those abilities. Now, don't get me wrong. I think abilities can be developed. And I think if a kid has passion and desire and really wants to do something, you can, you can almost do anything you want if you really want to get after it. And trust me, I had a lot of people telling me when I was in high school that I was never, you know, well, you're not, you don't throw hard enough. You're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do that. And ultimately, I got to live my dream and, you know, play for a check. You know, we can play in front of big crowds. It's all pretty cool. Um, but there's, but there wasn't an objective process to that. Uh, so too much too soon for these kids. What I'm seeing is in baseball is a lot of times by the time a kid gets to about 12 years old, he hates. Wants to quit. Hates it. Yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. I know a really talented kid in our town who doesn't want to play baseball, you know? And I've heard stories of, uh, you know, kids are playing in some Memorial Day tournament somewhere, okay? And kids are saying, I, I, hey, I hope we lose this next game because I want to go to Viva Vienna. Right. You know? Right. Right. Let, let them be a kid. Right. Yeah, I, I, man, I hope, you know, I hope we don't make it to the finals because I want to go ride the 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 scrambler or whatever the heck that ride's called at, right. at Vienna, you know, or I want to go get some deep fried Oreos or, you know, or whatever. funnel cake, which, exactly. is, which is my go-to. Have fun, yeah. So I think the problems when you look at, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on baseball here, but I think it could apply to a lot of sports and stuff is it's too much too soon. I really don't see a strong, strong need for travel baseball for you know a kid that's that's younger than you know eleven or twelve years old at the youngest. To me, that I mean there's people that could probably argue and, and make a case, but that's just me. That's that's how I feel. We live in an incredibly highly populated area. Okay, um, I mean it's, I went to the Nats game last night, and I left my house at four fifty, and I was in my seat just before the first pitch. So there are a lot of people here because it took me a heck of a long time to go 15 miles from my house to Nats Park. Um, so you know, I could understand if we were living way out in Wyoming somewhere, the need for all these travel baseball teams. But right now, why do we need to go to Virginia Beach with our team from Vienna to play some team from Burke? Right. Does that make any sense? Right. You know, and the other thing is, for us as, as high school coaches, you know, a lot of these kids are they're getting jerseys with their names on the back. They've got the most high-end equipment. And by the time they get to high school, there's nothing, there's nothing sacred or special anymore. It's like they've already worn awesome gear. You know, they've already had all kinds of swag. Um, and, and the the problem is, and I don't mean this to hurt anybody's feelings, but they didn't earn it, you know? And at the high school level and beyond, you earn those things to get to travel and stay in a hotel and play at awesome facilities and things <laughs> like that. You, you earn those things. So they're making it tough for us because we're getting oftentimes kids that are a little bit confused. And it's not the kid's fault, you know? Um, they're confused because they've, they've done all this stuff that they should be trying to earn. So 
we talk about in our baseball program, plan of ascension. That's what we're on. Okay, so JV guys, they're not going to get the stuff that the varsity guys get. Yeah, they want to get those things, and you're, that's the whole idea. It's, that's part of the whole package of what we're trying to prepare them for in life. You know, is work for what you want. Work your way up the ladder. So I, I just see too much too soon there. The other thing I see is there's so much instruction going on right now um, in baseball. There's so many guys out there that are selling the dream, okay? And I don't care how good of a, a, an instructor, you know, I, I, I hesitate to use the word coach because I, I don't consider all these folks to necessarily be coaches, but there are parents that are paying guys to watch their kid hit off a tee, okay? Where you can do that stuff. I did that stuff on my own. right. You know, I had a tee in my backyard. I didn't have a net, so I was hitting up against a tarp, you know, that I had stretched between two trees, hitting tennis balls, so I didn't bust my my tarp. Uh, I mean, you you got to learn to practice on your own, and everything doesn't have to be monitored and structured. And, and, structured, and it goes beyond baseball stuff, just, you know, you know, whether you're working with a hitting guy or a pitching guy or, or an infield guy or whatever it may be. There are also parents that are out there paying somebody to watch their kid lift weights and watch them run. You know, you want to get faster? Go run some hills. Or get, we have this tremendous tool now known as the World Wide Web. Right. You can find all kinds of information, you know, and that's another issue, too. I think kids get inundated with, with so much info, and they, and they get a little confused, and they hear too, too many voices. But to me, if a kid's out doing stuff, trying to get better, that's, that's awesome. You know, I mean, we tell our high school guys before we start our, the, the depth of our winter workouts, kind of before Christmas break, we tell them, hey, you want to go work with a hitting guy? You want to go work with a pitching guy? You know, beforehand, that's fine. Go, go do that. Because that's, we're not threatened by that. But make sure you're doing something worthwhile. If it's something where you go there and you think, Gosh, I could I could just do this stuff on my own. Save your parents a little money, you know. But we you know, we got a lot of you know, we got a lot of folks doing that stuff, you know. And the other part of that is a, a lot of these guys are teaching they're teaching drills and they're teaching techniques, but they're not teaching kids how to play baseball. So you know, you get them whether you're a a youth coach of, a, of young teens or you're a JV high school coach or you're a varsity high school coach, you're getting kids that know how to do drills. Like they're awesome in the cage and stuff. But then when it comes to a, a game-like setting, they struggle because all they've been doing is drills, drills, drills. So, you know, it's a, it's a crazy world, man. But I'm just, we're just trying to be pure. That's right. And, uh, but that's how we learn, right? We were growing up. We learned how to get open when we played basketball because we played basketball with our friends and they didn't pass you the ball unless you got open. Right. Right? As right. Uh, as uh, as Benji would say, right? He said, anyone can make a shot over a cone. Sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> cone has no arms. <laughs> cone has no or, arms. Or feet. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, would play, I remember we used to play baseball the same way, right? We would you know go out with five or six guys and anything to right field would be a foul ball and we'd play... I guess they call it pitcher's poison now. We used to call it pitcher's rule, by the way, growing up. Um, 
And that's when you go out and play, and you learn how to do that stuff. And I agree. I remember the first time I got involved with uh, leaving the high school stuff, going back to the Little League. And it was an 11-year-old kid I started talking to, and I, just, and I realized that um, when I was watching him, that the 11-year-old kid had literally like 13 coaches in the last two and a half years. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, yeah, and probably playing too much baseball, too. Yeah. I mean, look, I, look at it this way. I, I would use, maybe I'm not the best example because I didn't go really far beyond college and baseball, but there are a lot of guys that, are, that were my age that, you know, they play their 18 Little League games when they were 12 years old, and that was it. That's all they played. And then they played other sports, too. The specialization thing is just, is a, you know, too much of that at too early of an age. You know, if a guy gets a kid gets to his junior senior year in high school and it's pretty evident that he's gonna have a shot at one particular sport, and this is rare too though, I, I think, then okay, I get it. You wanna focus on that one sport. But really and truly, I mean, why close doors for yourselves? You know, we have some athletes at our school that I'm it doesn't come from our coaches because we're all about multi sport participation at, at Paul the Six, but you know, we have some families that will make a decision. Well, he's he's just going to play soccer, you know, or she's just going to play basketball, and that's it. You know, we're focusing on that. Yeah, well, there are no well, families around here that have had their kids give up sports at age ten or eleven because there wasn't enough time to get them to all the different practices. So the yeah. kid is ten now; he's done with soccer. Or he's done yeah, with what a shame, right. At 10. 10. Right. Yeah. Hasn't even started. Hanging him up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Call it a career. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even start playing sports until I was 9 or 10. Team sports. When did you start playing yeah, team yeah. sports? I was probably... Yeah, house league around... Yeah, kind of maybe soccer earlier. Right. Start there. Yeah, I think I was 8. Yeah. Like I was 7 or 8. Right. You know? Most things you do are outside with... The other kids, and you learn because there were always older kids you're playing with. So you had to play tougher. You had to learn to get open. You had to learn their rules, and then suddenly you became one of these older kids, and you know you had to uh, deal with the little kids and set the rules and be an example. No, it yeah. wasn't fit to travel teams. No, and I think a little bit of it might be, you know, I I grew up here, and so over 47 years, seen a lot of change. Okay, and there's a couple things that are Pretty certain. Okay, time time passes and things change. Okay, and that's just the way it is. So, our area has changed tremendously. You know, we were a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say that Vienna was blue collar, but you know, we were. I wasn't driving down the street, going million dollar house, million dollar house, million dollar house. As I looked back and forth, um, and you look out of your Camaro window. Yeah, driving <laughs> down. Firebird. Yeah. Firebird. That's right. Yeah, she's top yeah. Firebird. That's right. Right. Playing with Billy Squire. <laughs> um, Checking out the new $1.5 million craftsman. Yeah. So, you know, it's changed. And I think um, I think we have a lot, probably have a lot of two-job working families, you know, which is where a program like you guys are running here can, can be a benefit. Um, so yeah, things have changed a lot. Uh, you know, people, people have, have a little coin to spend on stuff and there are people out there selling the dream. Right. You know, so I think, you know, my advice to parents, if you've got a, 
a young kid, um, you know, don't don't cut them short. Obviously, we don't want them hanging it up at ten years old, but but be careful about what you're spending your money on, you know, and and worry about the the thing that's important is just being involved and doing something. If they're doing something and they have a little bit of guidance, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. It's not. I meet a lot of people that are so panicked, and I know you do too, about, oh, if I don't do this, he's not going to make this and all that. You can't put everything on a tee for your kid, you know, and you can't, uh, don't be a rescue parent, you know. Don't come in and try to, you know, let your kid, I love Finding Nemo. You guys seen that movie, right? I I love Finding Nemo because that's, the whole thing is about, let the kid figure it out on his own. You know, when the uh, when the sea the sea turtle scene, when Squirt gets shot out of the East Australian current, and the the clownfish Nemo's father starts freaking out. Oh, we gotta go get him! And the hundred fifty year old turtle he goes, "Well, let's, let's just chill and see what he does on his own." You know, I think we need to do a little bit more of that with. With our kids. Sure. Let them try. Let them fail. Yeah. See so how they deal right. with that failure. Okay, you didn't make the A team. What are you going to do? Right. You're going to quit the sport? You're going to figure out how to get better? What are you going to do? Exactly. Push them to participate. Get them out there and let them go figure it out on their own. So it's uh, certainly a lot different than it was around here 25 years ago or so. That's for sure. I think there's also, there's also a lot of parents with very good intentions that do have some more money to spend, and they want to give their kids more opportunity. Absolutely. And I think they just get sidetracked, sort of, into, they miss the bigger picture. They just sign up for everything, and they don't let them just go out there and develop instincts, develop those other sort of intangibles, because it's just, it's drills, it's teams, it's it's another game after another game. Nothing means anything anymore. Right. Uh, And to go back to what you're saying about, you know, getting the high school swag, I remember getting the varsity letter in high school. And that meant something. You played it, you logged enough field time as a junior and you got your letter. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right. And there was a, you know, there was a standard to reach to do that. Yeah, now it's, yeah, we played teen in a third grade basketball team. They got bags with their names on it. They got head to toe gear. Warm-ups, pants, jackets. Too too much, too soon. Yeah, I just ordered all that stuff for me. I'm not supposed to have too much, too soon. I just got all my bag. I, and I, my I, hold on, I'm going to throw up. And then I'm going to my bag my gear. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're all in agreement on this stuff. And I think, who knows? I mean, maybe the pendulum will swing. I talk to people who get deeply involved in this. And they. the other thing is you with these travel teams at a young age, you're sacrificing so much family time. You know, um, you're gone every weekend. You know, you're traveling, you're spending all this money. And I, and I think that's why sometimes people get frustrated and jaded at the end of it because they, it's hard not to think, well, I'm putting in the time, you know, we're, we're, we're doing all the things we're supposed to do. And then if it doesn't happen, you know, so you got to just kind of let nature take its course. I, I saw Kevin Euclid on, on Twitter. You remember yeah, Uke. The Uke. He held that yeah. bat over yeah. his head. Yeah. Um, he thinks a lot like 
the same way in the things that we're talking about right now. Um, he, tw he tweeted out something the other day. I think he was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter, and he said, well, explain to me how all these Dominican kids are developing and going to the big leagues without all this fancy equipment mm. and technology. Or travel infrastructure. And, right. Now they have academies the over there now, but let's talk about before the academies. Mm. Those guys are still going to the big <laughs> right, right. And they're some of the best players. I mean, we're talking about Hall of Fame guys coming off that island. Yeah. Um, that just kind of goes to show to me that you don't, you don't need fancy equipment and stuff like that. And my brothers and I used to stand in the end of our cul-de-sac, which was gravel, you know, right along the right along the railroad tracks there back when yes people there used to be a train that ran through Vienna. <laughs> um, that's for all the new Vienna folks. That train is <laughs> still over on uh, Mill Street. Is that train on Mill Street? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Mill. Right, Mill and Church. Yeah. Right. It doesn't move. That's just one part of it though. It was a lot longer oh, than it was way way, way longer train. I was a trolley. It's to stand there and hit rocks, you know, with a wooden bat. Hitting rocks. Guys, and do a little research on Jose Altuve's upbringing in baseball, where they used to stand outside the stadium and hope that somebody would hit a foul ball or a home run so that they could have a ball to use that week, you know, and play with their one baseball. And guys take milk cartons, um, you know, the, the cardboard the waxy cardboard style milk cartons and they fold them up and then they cut a hole in the side for their thumb and that's their cloth, you know? And these guys are, they're developing. They didn't, they didn't need to travel. Yeah, four. worked out well for El Tuve, right? They didn't need to travel four hours <laughs> to go play a team that's 20 minutes from them. <laughs> yeah, El Tuve's got a World Series ring. Right. Uh, that's funny. So that stuff just drives me nuts. I could sit here and talk all day and night. Uh, so let me stop that. Good. <laughs> I think I think we've made our. I think, yeah, made I think I've point. made my point. I think you guys have supported my point. Maybe you're just trying to make me feel good. I don't know. But, you know, it's just. Um, it, well, you can chat about your band. <laughs> yeah, our band. You, you've you can chat to, about the Cornhole you, Tournament. You've never come to see our band. No. Our band, we did play at the, no. at the end of the Cornhole Tournament. I'll tell you what, that, you know, that's... Now, the, you're a jam at Java. That's the 11th. Let's talk, let's talk a little Cornhole for a minute. All right. Okay? That's the 11th, what they call, in, in our part of town in Southeast Vienna, it's called Corn Bowl. Right, but that's okay. in the hood. Corn Bowl. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is there a hood in Vienna? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I grew up on the mean streets of Southeast Vienna. Um, so, you know, I've played in this thing over the years. We've got some really good cornhole players in our, in our sector of Vienna. Uh, and somehow this year I've, I've got a good partner. Uh, what they do is it, you, you, uh, everybody comes and signs up and they pair a random male and female together. And then you have a huge tournament. I think they're like 40-some teams this year or whatever. You turn it, you know, you narrow it all the way down. You go through pool play. It's very similar to the whole travel baseball. <laughs> right. This is travel, it's travel cornhole. That's what it is. But I just travel right down the street. So, yeah, I, uh, I, got, I, I, won, I won cornhole. There's even a traveling trophy that we get. So, um, 
It's pretty cool. What are the dates on that? What do you guys do? We, it's it's always uh, Memorial Day Sunday. Nice. It's the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. So, and then, you know, the band, it's a big neighborhood party. You know, you've seen, you've been yep. there once. You block yep. off the whole uh, section there, and, and uh, the band plays at the end of it all. So, yeah, we got a neighborhood band, too. Um, NRJ, which N- NRJ, those are the initials of Steve Martin's character in the cult classic movie called The Jerk. Have you ever seen The Jerk? Mm-hmm. The Steve Martin Jerk. Okay. So, yeah. David <laughs> R. Johnson, that's the name of our uh, band, but, you know, more widely known as NRJ. And we've played, we've played the Town Green in Vienna, a uh, great venue. We've played, uh, we've played a lot of local private parties and stuff like that. And uh, played over at Jam and Java few times. I think we've sold it out over there like two or three times. So it's a lot of fun. We got a nice little local following. Um, we play um, we play mostly classic rock stuff. We're kind of like a roots rock, classic rock type of band. Six pieces. Um, all guys kind of from the neighborhood. And, uh, and we mix in, we play like rock and roll, but we mix in some bluegrass instrumentation. You know? So you'll, you know, we got a guy that plays the fiddle plugged in. He's he can do some cool stuff, uh, like you know, we'll do "White Room" by Cream, and he'll play all the Clapton parts with a wah wah pedal, but his fiddle hooked <laughs> through a wah wah pedal, and it's amazing. It blows people by. So it's kind of, you know, we're not just your average uh, uh, dad band, classic rock cover band, you know, because we do some some different stuff. You know, you don't don't be surprised to see a mandolin or banjo or something fly out on uh, like sweet emotion, you know, uh, by Aerosmith. So it's cool, man. You gotta you gotta check it out. You know, we're, we're when, when's the next show? I think right now we're looking at uh, December fourteenth or fifteenth at Jam and Java. We may do something this summer. We we turned down the town green thing just because six guys in a band, uh, a lot of moving pieces. So and it's fun. My my father's a musician. He's a pretty pretty wide, widely known uh, bluegrass banjo player. Uh, you know, he's in a couple of Hall of Fames and been nominated for Grammys and uh, IBMA awards that's and how. things like that. Yeah. So that's kind of where I got the musical background. But it's, these guys in my neighborhood started this band, and, and I kind of heard about it. And one of the guys. Uh, Helped me weasel my way into doing it because I I had I did music when I was maybe twelve thirteen. You played instrument? You... Yeah, I played guitar. Right, I can play guitar. Go. I can I can pass on the banjo for a song or two. You know, with the way we use it, uh, not true banjo picking, but you know, strumming a banjo and play the mandolin. You know, kind of the me and another guy do most of the vocals. So kind of the front man and we had a lot of fun like I said we have some very loyal devoted local fans uh, got a few got a couple people that a uh, couple couples that uh, I think have hardly ever missed a show yeah. sometimes they even show up at rehearsals <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's a fun thing you know, to keep things going. It's, you know, life's for a living, right? So, you got to do a lot of different things. I'm very fortunate to live in a, in a cool, in a cool town. Uh, glad we stayed here, you know. Um, 
it, it has changed a lot. You know, some ways are kind of weird to me, but you know, a lot of things are good. Um, being is kind of a bubble. You know, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's neat and uh, a lot of good relationships and fortunate to have my mom and dad who were in their early eighties uh, right down the street from us. So, uh, you know, doing some cool stuff. I actually even recorded a couple of tunes with my dad that are going to come out on a project soon. So I'll be able to direct you with Spotify. There you go. You know, we listened to a couple of things. We, you know, there you we go. did some kind of cool, took, you know, some, took some more rock and roll pop type tunes and covered them in a, in a bluegrass style. So it's kind of neat. Cool. And I believe now you had to go mow your dad's grass. I am. Yeah, that's my workout for the day. I got one of those neoprene belts that I'll put around my, my right. midsection and and push the lawnmower around. And that's like when you're 47, that becomes, uh, that's not just, that's, right. that's not yard work. That is my workout right. for the day. And have you paid someone to come watch you do the... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have a guy come... Watch me take the bag off the mower. Yeah, you're doing a good job. That's good. Yeah. But, uh, Get your left leg a little lower. <laughs> Lean into that hill a little bit. Uh, well, thanks for coming in, brother. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And uh, I wish you guys the best. And hopefully there's uh, there's a way uh, that I can help with what, what you all are doing. Yeah. Um, because I think it's a, I think it's a good concept. I think it's a great idea. I think anything that we can do, I mean, what, what you guys are doing, the way I understand it, is you're 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 promoting physical activity and and development, which we need to do in this country, um, and and you're coupling that with um, with some mind exercise as well and some leadership skill training. You know, which is, I think we need all those things. Um, and I, I just don't know if we're doing enough in, in schools in general to uh, to mix all those components together. So I applaud you guys and uh, proud to you know, even just be here talking with you guys about that kind of stuff. Thanks for coming on. It's been great. Ken, have they get in touch with us if they got questions? Yeah, so come to the podcast. Uh, uh, we're at uh, www.poweryoukids.com, P-O-W-E-R-U-K-I-D-S.com. And uh, you can also email us at info at poweryoukids.com. Thanks, brother. See you in fall ball. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>